enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's Word today. May God open your heart and mind as you listen to the eternal truths found in His Word. Our second week and uh, into a series that we're going to go for the next uh, couple months, where we're kind of going through the stories of Scripture that have always shaped kind of our understanding of who we are, of humanity, of the church, uh, the stories of, of of Scripture that have also informed and made a big difference uh, in other areas of Scripture that are just necessary parts of the story to tell. And I just want to kind of hit some of those major stories. Today we're going to find ourselves in Exodus chapter 3, but I want to give the background of, of Moses. Moses. We, last week we talked about Abram. This week we're going to talk about another huge figure, Moses. Moses, his story is, uh, his family is in Egypt. You might remember last week Abram went to Egypt during a famine and, uh, and then came back to, his, uh, to the land uh, God had promised him. And same thing is happening here. Uh, Moses' family, uh, generations earlier, had gone to Egypt during a famine because that was where the food was, that's where the water was, that was where uh, everything was in place to help them out as a family. And, and what happened is they, they liked where they were, they liked where they settled, the food was still good, the famine was still going in their land, and so they got comfortable and they started settling and they started multiplying and uh, just kind of, you know, bigger and bigger numbers were, were there. And what often happens throughout time, just about every civilization, after a while, someone starts saying, wait a minute, we don't like how prosperous those immigrants are getting, and we've got to make things harder for them. And so that's what Pharaoh did. And uh, they, uh, they say, hey, we're going to make things harder for them. In fact, we're going to create laws that basically enslave them. And then because... Um, uh, that wasn't enough. They said, we got to make sure, because of how harsh we're being on them, that they don't overthrow us. And so they decided to limit the population by destroying a generation of their, of their children. It's into that story that Moses is born. His mom gives birth to him and is afraid that indeed he's going to be killed. And so she bundles him up and swaddles him and puts him in this basket on the, and lets him go on the river. Now the word for this basket of reeds that she would make and then, then set along, this, this word is the word, same as the word ark. She puts him in an ark. Now, of course, I think it's perfectly appropriate for us to think of the story of Noah and the ark. That The ark is the symbol of life when everything else around is chaotic. And so she puts him in this ark and trusts him to God and lets him go on the river because she's afraid. Once they realize I've had a child, they'll kill this child. And uh, the author of the story has kind of a a dark sense of humor, I think. He kind of, think, you know, just kind of tells the story in a way that, that lets you know God is at work in some of the most amazing ways. Because when Pharaoh's daughter finds this basket floating on the river and hears the baby crying, pulls the baby out, and, and sees this young child, her heart just melts. She says, oh, what a great baby. Oh, I need to save this. I need to help this baby out. And she's got a servant who says, oh, well, if you need help feeding that child that you've just found, it just so happens, I know this 
a Hebrew servant who would be able to nurse it for you. And, and lo and behold, that servant was his mother. <laughs> and so nonetheless, Moses is able uh, to grow up around his family. But he grows up as, uh, as, uh, uh, with, with favor of, of Pharaoh's household and grows up to be a young, attractive, strapping young man, just, just this great figure. Do you want, if you try to imagine what he looks like, I would kind of picture like a young Charlton Heston. Then you got it. And so there, there he is. So he is, so he is this, uh, so he's, he's grown up and he is, uh, and he recognizes that despite any privilege he might have had living in kind of Pharaoh's care, uh, he knows his people are enslaved. And so he is someone who does something that I think a lot of us imagined in elementary school we would do if we were in his shoes. Remember the first time you heard the story of slavery in America? And you imagined to yourself, oh, what would I do if I lived in the 19th century? And we would like to think we would be the people who would, uh, who would somehow overcome the cultural paradigm of that time, that, and we would recognize the evil that, that slavery was, and we would be the rescuers. And Moses is that. Moses sees a slave driver abusing a Hebrew slave. And he's not going to stand for that. And he gets in the way and he stops that. And in the course of that, he kills that slave driver. And uh, he buries him and hides him away. And his uh, fellow man is able to uh, go away and survive. Later on, there'll be another argument that he, he'll, he'll step in the way of. And this time it'll be between two Hebrew slaves, and he'll step in the, way, in the middle of that and try to stop the argument, and one of them says, oh, are you going to kill me too? And he goes, oh, what I, everything that's just happened has become known, and he's afraid for his life because if word is starting to spread, things are going to go bad for him. So he runs, and he escapes. And he goes to this land of Midian, which is kind of southeast of where uh, Israel is. If you kind of, he would have had crossed the Red Sea, crossed the Sinai Peninsula. That area is Midian. And so he, he, he goes there and he finds this beautiful woman that uh, uh, he, he has an eye for. And he, and he saves her from some shepherd bullies who are not allowing them to tend their flocks. And, and they kind of fall in love and they have a child and uh, their, their child's name basically means, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. And he just recognizes, I finally made it. My people went to a foreign land for help when they needed it, and they became enslaved. And now here I am, I'm in good standing with, 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 with uh, my father-in-law, who's a native. I'm starting to raise my own flocks. I have a family now. Things are starting to look up. And in that moment... God reminds him where he came from and reminds him that when God saves and delivers us from somewhere, that it is not our position now just to kind of put ourselves up and say, well, look how far I've come. I wish they could come along with me. But God puts a burden on his heart, a call for all of us that not to forget those who are still enslaved and those who are still in bondage. And so we find ourselves now in Exodus chapter 3. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush, and he looked, 
and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, well, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me, and I've seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He said, I'll be with you. This shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. Go and assemble the elders of Israel. Say to them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I've given heed to you. And to what has been done to you in Egypt, I declare that I will bring you up out of the misery of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us now go a three days' journey into the wilderness, so that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. I know, however, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders that I'll perform in it. After that, he will let you go. And I'll bring this people into such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you shall not go empty-handed. Each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman living in the neighbor's house for jewelry of silver and of gold and clothing, and you'll put them on your sons and your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. This is the story of God saying to Moses, do not forget where you've come from. Do not forget your people. I still desire to save them. Moses here, he's just minding his own business. He's tending his flock. Everything's going well. He's taking care of himself. He's taking care of his own. And yet God surprises him and God reveals himself to him. Uh, I think there's kind of a, a three kind of main things I'm, I'm looking at in this passage today. One is to look for God to surprise us. 
Look for the surprises. I asked earlier today to share a little bit of how God's revealed himself to you in the last couple weeks because we need to have eyes for how God indeed surprises us with encouraging us, with showing us that he was there all along, with, with indeed speaking us in, in, in moments, whether it's reading a book that initially had nothing to do with God and realizing it's God, or, or realize that, hey, uh, I have through this week found indeed all kinds of things that go back to my past, to now, whatever, that show God's hand. Look for ways in which God surprises us. Moses is on his own, and yet there God shows up in the bush, and God speaks for him. And Moses could have responded to that bush in any number of ways. He could have seen that bush burning and been like, I must be getting heat stroke or something because I think that bush is burning and like just gone and sat in the shade or something. But no, he investigates and says, okay, and he hears God speaking to him from that. To be able to step outside the normal work patterns of life or the rest patterns of life and say, what's God doing? Where's the supernatural working among the natural? And so Moses saw God in this burning bush. And he was willing to believe and inquire what God would want of him. That for us too, to be able to look for ways in which God might surprise us. And then to see how we can act and be a part of where God is guiding in leading us through that. Second thing I find myself in this story looking at is finding that indeed we need to trust that God cares. Trust that God cares about where we are. God's people, He desires to be with them and see them out of their enslavement to get them back into their land even though they have now for all this time been saying, okay, God, are you still there? God, are you listening? God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had promised this land, yet all your descendants are here, enslaved, and in a hard spot. Do you still care? When I was first pastoring, I had the opportunity, the blessing, to, uh, uh, I mean, uh, to meet with an author, someone who's just kind of it's just stayed in my mind. I got, I was in Illinois, and they had a, Illinois State University had a guest speaker. His name was Ellie Vissell. He is a, um, a, a, a prize author, a prize-winning author, who uh, most, most commonly known for his book, Night, a story uh, sharing his travails going into um, uh, the concentration camps of World War II, and just the struggle of what it was to be a Jew during that time and to be uh, persecuted for that and the terrors that went with that. And I remember him sharing this story and everything that's going on, and there was a Q&A afterwards where people got to talk and ask him questions. And one of the questions came from a student uh, who said to uh, Ellie, he said, uh, uh, he said I, uh, I have a question for you. you, you you're a Jew. How has this affected your faith, or do you still have faith? And Ellie Vissell said, I do still have faith, and I, I'll never forget these words. He says, but it is a wounded faith. It is a wounded faith. And that word has, and that, that phrase has stayed with me. He says, yes, I still have faith, but when, when, when you cry out again and again for deliverance, when you cry out again and again for safety or for life, And it seems to always be taken away from you and your loved ones. It is indeed a wounded faith. And this story in Exodus chapter 3 
is a story about God's people who have now for generations been severely wounded. And what God says to Moses is this, I have heard the cry of the enslaved in Egypt. God cares about and has heard the cry of the wounded. Of those who seem like they have been oppressed by the powers around them and there is no future or there is no life. They don't even know if they can possibly even hope for something more. But this God cares about where they have been and where He wants to bring them. He cared about Abram as we saw last week when Abram, even when he was in Egypt and he was scared about what was going to happen, God saved him and his wife. And we'll see see later on in Scripture, although we read a hint of it today, that God cared also about the boy Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, which we read today, his family, they escaped to Egypt during a time of trial, and yet God helped save and restore and bring them back. And so our God is one who cares about those who have been wounded or those who have been forgotten or those who have been brought low. In fact, God's name is wrapped up in this identity. When He says, who do I say sent me? Because I'm going to go tell them that you're going to save them and they're going to get their hopes up for just a moment or they're going to say, no, I don't even dare to hope. Who is this God that you say is going to save us? And he says, I am. That is my name. A name that, says, that means I am who I am. The great I am. He says, my entire existence, everything you are to know about me is this. I will save you. I will liberate you. I will free you. His entire identity is given to those who want to know, can I trust this word of liberation? This is what our God is about and is showed throughout the Scriptures. From Abram being released, from Moses, Nehemiah leading the people out of Babylon back to the promise, and Jesus saving people from sins and demons and whatever is afflicting them and saying you can be saved and you have a future and the promised land looks like eternity with God. And even the book of Revelation that is written to the church that exists after Jesus saying it doesn't matter what powers of the world might come against God's people or God's church, God will have the final word and the final act of liberation. That is His identity. That is who God is. That we can trust this God who cares about us. Which means for us today, for anyone here or watching, if we find ourselves saying, man, I don't know about this faith. I have been through some things and it is a wounded faith. Can I trust in this God? The word of Scripture is that this God's very identity is in saving and liberating you from that which has wounded you. Finally, as this story continues, Moses starts to find his voice. And I think the story of Moses is a story that we too are called to find our voice when God says He wants to save, when God says He wants to work. Moses begins by saying, I don't know if I can do this. Who am I going to say sending me? That's his first kind of doubt, his first kind of, I don't know about this. In chapter 4, he's going to continue to say, but, but they're still going to doubt me. They're still not going to believe me. And God gives them a number of signs that He can do. And then finally, Moses is going to say, but you know what? I'm just not the right person. 
The words don't come out of my mouth as clearly as I'd like to. People aren't going to understand. People aren't going to trust me. And God says, well, I'm going to bring someone who speaks a little better than you then. I'm going to do whatever I can, but you just need to be faithful. And, 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 and this story is a story that the God that is at work in our world, the God who we see, we are called to be faithful to speak God's truth, God's redemption, and God's plan into the lives of those around us. You see, because each one of us comes, of course, from a different background. Each one of us has a different sphere of influence, a different set of people who enter into our lives to whom God has called us to speak His grace and His life. And maybe we would find ourselves surprised by those who might come to believe because of that. I go back to, um, i got to go pretty far back. There was a, um, I remember being at, a, at, at like a youth camp sitting in a pew listening to a, a youth camp speaker. And uh, this youth camp speaker was, gave this, this great message about salvation. At one point in time, he asked people to come and pray. And, uh, and so people, some people were coming up to the altar, and they were praying, and then he would pray over them. And it was just, just asking to, to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And people were responding. And I remember sitting next to somebody. And I looked over, and I, and I saw that this person was just kind of like their face was in this kind of... Like, like anguish or kind of this uncertainty, this I, I don't know. I could tell there was wrestling, struggling going on there. And I just said to this person, I said, you know, um, if you want, if you want to go up and pray and don't know if you can, I'll go up there with you and pray with you. And they went forward and they prayed. And I said, okay. And that was the first time I'd ever done something like that. And I remember sitting, looking at this person, going, like, do I even say anything? Like, they look uncomfortable, but that makes me uncomfortable, and now I don't even know what to do. And, uh, and that, that was a moment where God helped me find my voice. Some people are a lot better at that kind of thing. Me, I just had to go back to my youth <laughs> to tell that story. Uh, my wife, Jen, she is so aware She'll come back just about every week, every week, and say, Tim, I was talking to uh, this person at the grocery store, or I was talking to this person at the gas station, or, or I was talking to my doctor, or I was talking to whoever, and, and I just said, oh, how are you doing? Looks like it's been rough. <laughs> or or like she just picks up all the little cues that I'm absolutely oblivious to, and she inquires, and she asks, and she says, hey, I care about who you are and what you're feeling and what you're going through right now, even though whatever interaction we're in is usually a timely one, like we get this interaction over with because you got someone else to talk to. But she pauses and she finds herself just sharing love and grace and sharing a moment of, I see you as a human. <laughs> I recognize who you are. And it's amazing. Just about every week she's coming back and she's saying, hey, Tim, I had this, had this conversation, had this interaction. And it blows my, I'm not wired that way at all, but it's one of the things uh, I absolutely love. And so I've just got to embarrass her and share all that today. But in those moments, those are moments where God says, hey, you have a voice and a calling where God has said, where you have come out of, where God has saved, He has said, you still have influence and you still have a purpose. And God might just have, be telling us that there are moments in which you can go back or interactions you can have where you can say, hey, I've been there. I know that. And I need to say to you today, God has a plan, a purpose, and a future, and I see you and God sees you.
And He wants you to know there is more than just where you are now. More than just that wounded faith. The story of, of Moses is ultimately a story of God who says, I have never forgotten my people. In fact, I will use whomever I can to indeed bring forth liberation and salvation. And He invites us to be a part of the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, to save and redeem a world that is still enslaved to its sin. In a moment, we're going to come forward and we're going to receive uh, communion. Communion is um, uh, with bread and juice that are always emblems of His broken body and His shed blood. This is what we say every single week. It is, they're emblems of one who was wounded, bruised for our iniquities, for our transgressions, the prophet Isaiah would say. And so it is a table that is open. God's grace open to those who, like Elie Wiesel, will say, you know, I believe, but man, I got all kinds of issues. I got all kinds of questions. I got all kinds of concerns. It's a wounded faith. Well, the faith we are invited to is a faith of the wounded for the wounded that God has a greater story for. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you today asking and praying that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in and among us. The Heavenly Father, you know exactly where we are today. You know whether we're in the spot where we just need to say, Lord, I need to know that you have victory, you have a future, that, that, you, that you want to take me out of what has enslaved me. Or Heavenly Father, you know if the word we need to hear right now is, do not forget those around you who need to hear this. And Lord, that you are calling us perhaps to step out in faith like Moses, Moses did and, and to speak your grace into the lives of those around us. And Lord, there, help us to recognize that there is no excuse. We don't get to say, well, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if I can do this. Heavenly Father, for you have promised to be there with us. And you have promised to bring people alongside us that we are all in this together. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, came, lived, and walked among us, offering us a path to you. And Heavenly Father, that path has come through his wounds and has come for us exactly where we are. And so, Heavenly Father, we'll come to this table with the bread and the juice, emblems and signs of his broken body and shed blood, in remembrance that your grace is for those who are still wounded. Help us to be agents of grace in those situations. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.